Have you heard that verse, your ways are not my ways? Have you heard that verse? Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And you know, for many, many years, I gave up on the idea of ever understanding God. He's God, he's amazing, and I'm just me. But then I discovered that God actually says through the prophet Isaiah, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. It's in Isaiah 2 verse 3. To the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways. So just when you thought it was safe to come back to church <laughs> and sit there and be completely passive and indifferent about the ways of God, God actually says, I'm around you all the time trying to teach me my ways. And I came across this wonderful verse. In fact, I spent some time during lockdown. Do you remember lockdown? <laughs> I spent a lot of time looking through the scriptures at the ways of God. And I came across Exodus 33 verse 13, which is a wonderful prayer. And it's Moses praying to God. It's one of the great prayers in the Bible. He says, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I might know you and continue to find favor with you. One of the things I love about the Bible is it's not just a book to read when you're feeling depressed. And it's a great book to read when you're feeling depressed, by the way. Especially the book of Psalms. Oh, there's so much instruction in there. But God reveals in his word his MO, his modus operandi. That's a big word, I know, but it's the way he works. And right through the Bible, there's story after story about how God works his ways, and he wants to teach us his ways so that we might continue to enjoy his favor. That's a good deal. Yeah. It's a good deal. And I'd invite you to sign up for that this morning if you haven't understood. God, in every situation in life, is trying to teach us his ways so that we might enjoy his favor. Uh, you know, if you have children and uh, some wonderful children here, but if your children never grow up, uh, you know, if they remain in eternal adolescence, um, you, you, there's a problem, right? So what the Bible teaches us is that God wants to bring his people to maturity, because there are certain things that we can do when we're mature that we're not allowed to do and don't get to do when we're immature. One of the great prayers, a, 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 a guy who is well known in the Christian community for years, he said this, great prayer, he said, Lord, help me to grow up before I grow old. It's a good prayer. Listen to this verse from James. I've got a few verses today. You needn't turn to all of them. But this is James chapter 1, verse 2. And James is saying, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. Pure joy. <laughs> He's nuts. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. That's great advice, isn't it? So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How many folk want to go there? Yeah. How many folk want to go through the trial that brings perseverance? <laughs> One, two, three, four people. Bless you folks. You're going to be the mature ones in the church. Everyone else is going to stay in eternal <laughs> adolescence. I want you to understand this morning, I'm getting into this message, God is absolutely committed to our maturity. Right. He has got a plan. 
and he's got a certain way he's going to work this plan, and I'm going to share it with you this morning, because his end goal is that he has mature sons and daughters who can carry some stuff into this broken, mixed-up world and change it for his glory. Let me begin with a story. It's quite a humorous story. Many, many years ago when our two sons were very young, every Saturday morning we would go down to the swimming pools at a place called Tawa. And they had a beautiful new complex there every Saturday. We'd go down there, we'd spend a couple of hours in the pool, and then we'd go to Macas for lunch, and that was a huge treat. But um, one Saturday morning, do you remember that, those days? I was watching because next to the main pool there was this other pool, it was a diving pool and they had a springboard in the diving pool. And I was watching all the little kids just bouncing and diving off and it was a lot of fun. I watched, you know, and I thought, you know, that doesn't look too hard. So when there was a gap in the, the queue of kids wanting to use the springboard, I made my way onto the springboard. It was the first time I'd ever been on a springboard, by the way. Never been on a springboard in my life. How many folk have never been on a springboard? Well, you haven't lived. (laughs) And I reckoned three bounces would do it. So I bounced once and I bounced twice and I realized that I've got to get a bit more elevation and my plan was I'd do this perfect swallow dive. (laughs) So I bounced a third time and that was where I made my first mistake. I didn't quite get the trajectory right or the power of the bounce and I went up into the air and I was going up and up and up and then I realized I had to get down somehow so I sort of piked my body into that sort of shape still keeping the the shape of the swallow and the next thing I'm looking at the ceiling through my legs and I realized this is not going to end well I overbounced and uh, I had about as much grace as a dead elephant falling out of the sky, you know. And I can still remember the sound of that slap when my body, my back hit the water. Do you remember that? (laughs) I learned three things that day. Never try to show off in front of your children. (laughs) Number one. Number two. If you're going to do something spectacular publicly, always practice privately. I hope you're writing these down. <laughs> and number three, I learned about this place, which is the title of my message, The Point of No Return. <laughs> it's that place you get to sometimes and you know going backwards is not an option. <laughs> you're out there and it's only forward and whatever that looks like is what it's going to look like. You know, I believe that... Uh, One of the ways of God, one of the ways he teaches us to be mature is he brings us unexpectedly to a point of no return. Anybody been there? And I want to encourage you this morning because there is nothing more challenging and exhilarating than arriving at the point of no return. You'll you'll know the moment you reach it because there's there's this battle going on between excitement and absolute sheer panic. When you realize God's got you in a position and there is no way back. And what I've discovered in the scriptures and many, many of the familiar stories, and we're going to look at one in a moment, 
God does this deliberately. <laughs> he does it deliberately. It's not an accident. He brings people to this place where we find ourselves either hanging on to God and moving forward or we go back around the mountain another time. Remember the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and they went round and round and round and they thought, well, that tree looks familiar. Yeah, we passed that last time and the time before that. And I want to tell you, friends, uh, this is so important that we get this. If you get nothing else out of this message, get this. It's one of the ways of God. And when you read the Bible and read the stories of the Bible, you find God is doing this all of the time. Once you get it, you'll see it everywhere. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, and verse 22. And it's a well-known portion of Scripture. And I want to bring something out that might perhaps be new to you. Matthew 14, verse 22, we read, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. They just fed 5,000 people. And while he dismissed the crowd, after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. The disciples saw him walking on the lake and they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Get the picture. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. I have absolutely no idea what Peter was thinking. There they were in this boat. They were, some of these guys were fishermen. They knew how treacherous it was on that lake when the wind was blowing. And there they were, and they see this ghostly figure striding towards them on the water. And what on earth is Peter thinking about saying, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you. Peter had been the unofficial spokesman for the group. He was a kind of a natural leader. It was Peter who always opened his mouth and then usually put his foot in it. It was Peter who, in a moment of impulsive enthusiasm, had told Jesus that even if everyone else betrayed him, he would never betray him. Good old Peter. It was Peter who actually took Jesus aside one day and rebuked him when Jesus told them that he was going to be arrested and betrayed. Imagine that. Imagine the audacity to verbally reprimand the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Not so, Lord. <laughs> And Jesus had to rebuke him. So here he is again. I mean, just think about this. The wind is howling. The waves are buffeting the boat. Everyone is terrified, including these seasoned fishermen. That is one dumb thing to say. But it was one of those point of no return moments that Jesus had specifically organized for Peter. You see, Peter had a lot to say. And I reckon in my, as I understand this, <laughs> Jesus had decided that it was time for Peter to do something. He was known as a man of words. He was known as a man of, of saying stuff and then thinking about maybe I shouldn't have said that. But now here was a moment where he was about to face one of those point of no return moments. And I think the Holy Spirit probably helped Peter 
come out with that. I can't make any sense of it. It doesn't make logical sense. It must have been God who prompted him to say, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you. And so Jesus says, come, don't be afraid. He understood that uh, there was this thing called the law of physics. You cannot walk on water. And looking around, I can see some folk who definitely cannot walk on water. Just think about it. <laughs> he was a big, burly guy, you know. I mean, and I, I have these pictures in my mind. Did he have one foot in the water? Was he trying it out? Did he, was his foot supported? Did he just leap in and start walking? I mean, what was going on in his mind? All of the other disciples saying, Peter, what are you doing? Get back in the boat, man. You're going to drown. Let me give you this one first little uh, teaching point that I learned from points of no return. You've got to embrace them. You must embrace the points of no return when Jesus brings them to you. That's good. It's a good place to say amen. Amen. Because when God's in it, you cannot go back, you dare not go back because he'll bring you to that very same challenge again, may not be the same circumstances, but he'll bring you back to that same place and ask you to step out of the boat one more time. And he'll keep doing it until you actually step out of the boat and do something miraculous and walk on water. That's what he does. It's one of the ways of God. Right through the scriptures, we see God const consistently arranging points of no return for those he loves and has called to follow him into maturity. Oh, you say, but I thought I could just spend the rest of my life watching Christian TV till Jesus comes. With my cup of coffee and a cream bun. No, <laughs> that's fake. I'm not saying Christian TV is fake, but it, you know, there's something about reality that we've got to get to grips with if we're going to grow. Yeah, you get me? Yeah. 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 You must embrace the point of no return. The thing about points of no return is that if we don't understand that this is the way God works, we will miss it. We miss it. I've missed many points of no return in my life, and I wonder how many uh, wonderful adventures I could have had if I just embraced it when I saw it, instead of thinking, what's, what's God? That's not God. That's the old devil. I rebuke that devil in Jesus' name. And it's God trying to reach me, push me, get me out of the boat into a new place of faith and expectation. I found it to be consistently true in my life, and maybe some of you here have. If we're serious about growing up, one of the prayers we might pray, and we might pray it at the end of the service, Lord, help me to grow up. <laughs> I dare you to pray that prayer. Because when you pray that prayer and God takes you seriously, you'll face something like this, some impossible thing. And it's not possible to get through that point unless God is with you and you're hanging on to Jesus all the way. Second thing I want you to understand about points of no return is this. To get through the point of no return, we will need something called momentum. Oh, that day on the bouncing board, I had momentum. I was heading right for the stars. <laughs> I've learned something very simple but profoundly powerful. If I, if, I just, if I just keep on praying, if I just keep reading the Bible, if I just keep coming to church, if I just keep sharing my faith, if I just keep doing the basic things, you know what happens? I build momentum into my life. Um, yeah. It's an amazing thing. 
In times past, when I was quite a bit younger, I would neglect some of those things, and I'd wonder why I'd ground to a halt in my spiritual journey. But just doing the basic stuff, Christianity 101, just talking to Jesus every day, just asking him to fill me with the Holy Spirit every day, just reading his great and precious promises which are for me every day, just letting the word of God speak to my heart, just hanging out with other looney tunes like the Christian church, you know, sorry, what is it? These mad people who love Jesus and just prepared to do anything. Just doing that basic, I build momentum into my life and then Jesus says, oh, I think it's time for a point of no return. (laughs) And suddenly I'm facing a challenge. Isn't it amazing how the bad stuff happens always after something good's happened? Just when you're feeling victorious, man, we're on the way at last, glory to God, and suddenly the sky falls in and we're facing a challenge. What is that about? It's about Jesus. Just testing, are you going to trust me? Are you going to hang on to me as we go through this thing together because I haven't left you? I'm still here, but I just want to make sure your heart's okay and that you're strong enough and you're building maturity into your life so that when the day comes, I can release you into that great thing that I've got waiting for you just around the corner in the next season of your life. By the way, Bob, Ah, seasons, bro, that's what God's given you. Seasons, lots of seasons, different seasons. Mountaintop seasons, valley seasons, oh, groveling on the ground seasons, seasons of weeping, seasons that are hard, seasons of questions, seasons of nothing, just no answers. Where's, where's God? But listen, it's God. It's God, man. It's God. He's teaching you something. He wants you to grow up. Yeah. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I'm telling you the word of the Lord. But the season's passing for you. There's a season passing for you. And it's going to be a powerful season. Because you've been faithful. Because you've stood the ground and you've said, no, not me. I'm standing. I'm going to stand firm. Where's your wife? You listening to this? Good. Remind him of this. When he gets grumbly and miserable, just remind him God spoke to him. <laughs> Why? Well, I know. <laughs> New season. There's a new season. There's a new season. You're at a point of no return right now. Did you realize that? You've got some questions to answer and some decisions to make. Make sure that the right ones just hang on to Jesus. Amen. Oh, good man. He's got a good man there. Got a good man there. He's got a good wife there too. Let me get on with this. In Matthew 8, listen to this story. I'll get back to Peter. In Matthew 8, Jesus had already previously calmed a storm. Do you remember that? If you read the whole Gospel of Matthew. So before, G- before Peter got to walk on the water, he'd already been in a boat in a storm and Jesus was asleep in the boat all the time. He'd been asleep in that boat and they were afraid for their lives. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus had given the disciples authority to heal the sick and cast out demons. They'd been doing this stuff. What are they doing? They're building momentum in their spiritual journey. In Matthew 14, they just helped Jesus feed 5,000 people. And you remember the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, send them away. And Jesus said, you feed them. (laughs) Who me? Who me? And they take those five loaves and two fishes and they feed 5,000 people, plus women and children, I believe. And then they have 12 baskets full left over. Peter was on a roll. And Jesus takes this moment to see if they've actually learned anything. Isn't it amazing? He was the only one in the boat who'd learned anything. Walking with Jesus all those months, seeing those miracles, having authority, 
uh, seeing the miraculous stuff that they themselves were doing because Jesus had given them authority. And then here is another moment. A quantum leap of maturity could occur here. And only one disciple said, here I come. You know, the devil would love to keep us in a state of spiritual inertia. He loves to kind of ground us somewhere out of the way, just lie low and just kind of be stuck. He just hates it when the winds of the Holy Spirit get behind the sails of God's people and he blows. Pushes us sometimes over the edge. I'm not talking about being stupid and reckless and silly, but listening to his voice when he bids us come, it's okay. Don't be afraid. Let me give you a third point here. Embrace the moment. Embrace the moment. Build momentum. Build momentum. Build momentum. Every day, build momentum. You're building momentum? Yes. Third thing. Jesus is always, always, always waiting on the other side of these points of no return. Read the Bible. Every single story, he never left. He actually planned it. <laughs> Someone said this, remember when the sea of life seeks to overwhelm us, remember that our lifeguard can walk on water. He's always waiting to catch us. And I think Peter just, he's a little bit reckless, but he thought, well, if I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. But that's Jesus, and he, I, he recognized his voice. And of course, we know that Jesus held him. But that wasn't the end of the story. Let me just give you a couple of quick instances from the Bible. Remember the children of Israel? They reached a point of no return. They're standing in front of the Red Sea with the sound of Pharaoh's army and his 600 horsemen and chariots barreling down the road after them. And here's Moses. And he lifts up his rod of authority and the sea parts. Now, I, I, I guarantee that Moses didn't think, gee, I hope this works. I've <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> never done this before. <laughs> He'd been building momentum with God. He'd heard the voice of God. He'd had his burning bush moment. He had a great sermon on that just recently. And when that sea parted, it wasn't over. They still had to step into that ocean and walk across the dry ground. I don't know how long it took them, but it would have taken a while. We could talk about David facing Goliath. It's in 1 Samuel 17. You know, David's been practicing on a lion and a bear. God was testing him to see if he would protect the little flock that he'd been given responsibility over. And now he's facing the champion of the Philistines, Goliath. And you know what the Bible says? It says he actually hopped the fence way up. I don't know if it said that, but I can imagine. He ran towards him with his little sling and stones. Point of no return. Changed the history of the nation at that moment. Of all the fighting men in Israel, the kings with all their horses and armor, nobody was prepared to step into that moment and believe the impossibility could be made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God's looking for people to take that step, embrace the moment, understand they've got momentum and that God's with us. 
He said, you know, you come with your horses and your this and that. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, you know, or words to that effect. I love the story of uh, Mount, uh, Elijah on Mount Carmel. Here's a big statement. Here's a big statement. If you want a big statement, big faith statement. Yes. Prophets of Baal. You call on the name of your Lord, your God, he says. This is 1 Kings 18, 24. I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers with fire. He's God. Talk about sticking God's neck out. I mean, you know, that's a big, big statement right there. But you see, he'd been building momentum in his life. He embraced this moment because he knew God was with him. And also, he'd, you know, he'd been fed by ravens. He'd just raised a widow's son from the dead. He was, he was on a roll. And if you and I will just do the basic things, get some momentum going in our lives, trust God and believe him and embrace these moments, who knows what could happen? Who knows? Only God knows. I wish I could peep over God's shoulder and open that book that's got my name on it. Psalm 139 says, All the days ordained for me are written in his book before one of them came to be. And I'd just like to have a little glimpse. But God says, here's how we'll do it. I'm going to bring you to a point of no return moment. And if you step into it, trust me and know that I'm with you. As you've been building momentum, embrace this moment, then you will walk in what I've written in that book. If you decide to play it easy... I'm tempted to use the word sissy. That's a good word then. Sissy Christians. God will bring you to that place. Friends, there's grace. There's grace available for you. Take the step. and Step into your destiny and let God show you how great he is. You know, the Bible is full of people like that. Read the stories. Never gave up. Never ran away. Never said never. Never said never. You know, um, I sometimes, let me finish this off. I sometimes wonder if Peter ever walked on water again. I mean, what a crazy thing. It's something you could tell your grandchildren. I walked on water, you know. Yeah. The answer is yes. You didn't know that, did you? You did. Peter probably looked back at that day and thought, well, it started well, like my dive off the springboard, but it didn't end well. And maybe he had dismissed it. But see, he just traversed a point of no return without realizing it. Acts chapter 2, verse 14, the same Peter that had denied Christ and was known for having a big mouth stood up with the eleven. He preaches a sermon that results in 3,000 people getting born again. He's invading the impossible again. He's actually walking on water again. Not literally, but he's doing the impossible thing because now he's got even more momentum. Now he's got the Holy Spirit behind him blowing hard. <laughs> now he's learned to take this moment, this opportunity. Isn't it strange as the disciples tumbled out the upper room, it's Peter who stands up and says, men and brethren, listen to this. <laughs> he preaches his very first sermon and 3,000 people get saved. That's walking on water. Acts chapter 3, he's with his friend John. They come across a man lame from birth at the beautiful gate in the city of Jerusalem. He's begging for money. And it's Peter again who opens his big mouth. <laughs> we don't have any money, but what I've got I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. 
He's walking on water again. Good old Peter. He learned how to do it. He learned how to embrace the moment. He understood God was with him, and he's not saying never, ever again. Remember, uh, (laughs) I love the story about Peter when his shadow was healing the sick. They brought all the sick people out, I think it's Acts 5, into the street so that Peter's shadow might fall upon them as he was walking by. Wow, that's impossible. He's walking on water again. And then there was so many things, just read a little bit about Peter in the book of Acts. His vision on the rooftops when he saw those unclean animals and God begins to reveal to him that the gospel was for the Gentiles. So that's a big truth to entrust to somebody. You want to find somebody who is mature to carry that truth and deal with all the aftermath of what was going to happen in that culture at that time, tell people that actually the gospel was for everybody, not just the Jewish people. That's a, that's a mature person you want to find there. A man who can walk on water. A man who can embrace the moment, who is not afraid of what people think. Can I just encourage you today? Something happened when Peter stepped out of the boat, put his toe, probably his big toe, I should imagine, (laughs) that day. Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you. (laughs) And Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's me. Why don't you stand with me just as we bring this to a close. I want to ask you a very important question. You see, I believe that Jesus, let me just bow our heads for a moment. I really believe there are people here that you know God's speaking to you. There's that still small voice. There's that little sense of God trying to tug on your shirt tail. He's trying to get your attention. It's one of these moments. It's what he does because the next season of your life is going to be one of growing into a different kind of level of maturity. And can I just encourage you, embrace the moment. Don't let this moment pass you without saying this prayer. Jesus, is that you? And then listen. And if you've been doing all the ordinary stuff, just like momentum gaining stuff, Walking the walk, talking the talk, you'll hear that voice saying, don't be afraid, it's me. Come on, come to me. We praise God for insights and things that the Lord reveals to us, but sometimes you just take a step into, into nothing, just pure faith. God, I trust you. I don't know what this, I don't know what this decision is going to mean, but I'm going to take the step and trust you and hang on to you. He's waiting for you. He'll always be there in the moment. So, Father, I pray this morning for these dear people. Thank you for hearts that are inclined toward you, Lord. Thank you for seasons of life that we're all going through, all different, maybe, opportunities that are there before us and we may not see them, or if we do see them, we're afraid to walk on the water again. But, God, I pray this morning you grace your people with strength and courage and vision and empowerment to go and do just that very thing. As you whisper in their ear, 
as you tug at their heart, oh God, I pray there'll be a yes, Lord. Here I come. Here I come. I don't know where everyone's at this morning. Maybe you've never really started a journey with Jesus. I tell you what, it's the most exciting thing you could ever do. Just let's close our eyes just for a minute. Just going to make this one invitation first. If you don't know Jesus, you've never made him Lord of your life. You've never asked him, Jesus, would you take away my sin? I want to follow you wherever you go. And I want to be that person who steps out of the boat whenever you call me. And if that's you this morning, you want to commit your life and make Jesus your Savior and your Lord. Just look at me. Just look right at me and nod and I'll see your face. Anyone wants to do that? Just look right at me. Maybe you're a Christian and you're struggling with a decision right now, but I'll tell you this. Remember, God's committed to your maturity. He wants you to grow. Oh, it's wonderful to see babies. They're wonderful when they're babies, but they don't stay babies forever. Praise God for that. <laughs> we want to see them walking. We want to see them speaking. We want to see them growing and becoming mature. This is how God does it. This is one of his ways. He takes us to the edge and says, come. <laughs> yes, it's me, come. If you're struggling with something this morning, I want to pray for you. Just slip your hand up. Questions, decisions, big questions, big decisions, challenges. Don't be afraid. Yes, I see your hand, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm going to pray. Now, listen, for everybody else, just release faith now for these people. Father, 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 I thank you that in the midst of our storm, you come walking on the water. <laughs> I pray for a revelation of who you really are. You're the mighty Christ of the ages, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You're the eternal Son of God. You were there at the creation. You'll be there in the very last book of the Bible when it comes to pass. Jesus, we place our trust in you. We ask you for wisdom to embrace the moment. Grab you with both hands and say, Jesus, lead me through this moment. Help me build momentum into my life. Help me to understand that you're always going to be there. Always going to be there. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I will never, never, never forsake you. And the, the way that verse is constructed, it's never, 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 never. It's God's promise. Father, bless these people today. Help us to be all that you've called us to be. Help us to find our purpose. Teach us how to walk on the water, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.